0: Hi, I'm ice and welcome to Let's Chat Cash, a podcast about women and their money. Each episode is a frank and open discussion with one woman about her personal relationship with her money. My hope is that by having these conversations, we can break down some of the stigma of talking about money and empower each other as women to take more control over our finances. This week's episode is a conversation with Daisy Buchanan. Daisy is a journalist, broadcaster and author of the hilariously warm and useful book, How To Be A Grown-Up. This book is part memoir and part self-help and is packed full of loads of brilliant tips and advice on everything from money to sex, basically all the good stuff. She's a TED speaker, often spotted on telly debater and host of the chart-topping literary podcast, Your Booked. I absolutely love talking to her. She's so open, honest, funny and smart. In the conversation you're about to hear, we discussed setting rates as a freelancer, her fear of cash machines and investing in her mental health. Be sure to stick around to the end for my more money section. This is where I share something from the personal finance world, which I found helpful and I think you might too. I'll also be giving you a sneak peek from next week's episode. But first, I started off by asking Daisy how she currently makes her money.
1: I am primarily a freelance writer, so I guess writing is my uh, my main income source um, at the moment. My regular things are um, I'm doing a you normally know, at least a piece a week for the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, a a women's website that's about news and culture and fashion and fun and all of these things from a, a smart women's perspective and from a feminist perspective so mm-hmm. I'm a really big fan but they're not um, I don't really have a, a contract with them I'm not kind of formally or permanently employed by them it's very much piecework I'm also doing some social media management work for a company called The Middle. where I'm looking after their Facebook and their Uh, Instagram. I forgot the word for Instagram. Then Um, the (laughs) picture thing.
0: The picture thing with the filters. That one.
1: Uh, You know, there there are pictures, and um, there's an episode of Broad City where Abby, no, sorry, Alana gives herself a voice note where she is inventing Instagram in a (laughs) feed haze, and she happens upon it later. It's like, yeah, Facebook, but only pictures. Yeah so that's that's where i was going Uh, both of those things the regularity of both of those things is quite new Mm. actually um the pool i've written for for you god as long as they've been going nearly three years four years um but it's nice really nice to have a regular bit of a slotch because um you know, it can be three things, then no things, such as the feast or famine nature of mm. freelance life. And yeah, similarly for the middle, I'd just been a massive fan of the site since they launched and I'd written a couple of pieces and their social media has gone on to do amazing technological things. And they were looking for someone who I think just understood their voice a bit and understood mm. what they were what they were doing. Um, so other than that, I write for newspapers and magazines. And again, that's all quite sporadic so sometimes i pitch increasingly i will hear from an editor who's looking to commission a piece which is really really nice and having done it a fair bit i think there are certain subjects where i think oh you know mental health you you do that or the telegraph it's millennials like we we know one person who's under 65 and you. that's not true there are loads of brilliant writers. you are the, the niche telegraph. millennial But we want, we want someone to be, and also because I wrote something a really long time ago for them about um, it's to do with my relationship with my mum, and there's a picture of us both, and every time they use that same picture, of sort of mum looking a bit stern and cross, and you looking like Daisy. Unlike her mother, is a millennial. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, the um, telly when it happens, that pays a bit. And that's quite nice because it's I mean, it's not masses. I don't know. Are we allowed? I'm just going to tell you. Um, I think for GMB, I think I normally get 150 quid, 200 quid, mm-hmm. um, which is about what I get for writing mm-hmm. for you know a sort of a an online article. Mm-hmm. Um, but it probably in some ways it takes a lot less time in other ways it does probably take about you know a day or so mm, Kind so I guess of. you've got to like
0: travel there you've got to actually physically be there whereas if you're writing something potentially you could do that somewhere mm. else maybe
1: it's true and then as well the number of times I've been writing something else on my phone on the way
0: so. <laughs> I love it multitasking
1: and then I um, with my books I got a two book deal from Headline in um, at the end, very end of 2015 Amazing. we sold the book when when life was magical and p- politics weren't terrible. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking, the December of 2015, when we sold the book. So, my first book was mm. called How to Be a Grown Up, and that was a nonfiction self help slash lifeguard slash memoir. Mm-hmm. And it was for, and so I wrote a proposal for How to Be a Grown Up and another book, and we didn't know what the other book was going to I didn't write the proposal for another book. Headline amazingly said, We want this and another one Amazing. in the future. And that was the closest I'd felt in some time to being formally employed in any way. And I was just so I just got married, I was thirty, planning a lovely honeymoon. I was like, yes, my life is so good. <laughs> and um, I'm not terrified that the world's about to end imminently. Which is um I come back came back to haunt me. <laughs> um, so when I got my advance, which is more than some people get, a lot less than other people get Mm -hmm. it was the most money I'd ever sort of heard of for like Mm. you know getting work but obviously once you take off tax and agents fees oh my god I do not resent paying agents fees at all my agent Diana is a queen and she's brilliant and she more than so she more than pays herself that doesn't sound right but she She earns she's
0: worth her weight in gold is that a a thing
1: um it really is she's you know she's a friend and she's a good advisor and she just It's so amazing to have someone fighting for you, especially when, you know, because we talk so much about, I think, money and women and negotiation and how how complicated that all is. But the thing about the advance is because it's sort of it's over two books and it's all divided up into typically it's, I'm sure you know this, but it it tends to be in thirds. So
0: they sort of don't give it to you just in one big lump chunk. They say, okay, here's a bit of it.
1: Probably no bad thing in my case. Um, So, normally you get some when you sign the contract saying you're going to write the book, you get some for delivering when you give them the book, and then you get the rest when the book comes out. And mine is in like, mine's been divided into 10. So, The book. So some of it is contingent on me doing the publicity for oh. the book, which I'm like, hello, yes, I will do that. They sort of <laughs> stuck that in. It's very funny because I was asking Diana about that, and she's like, yeah, that's that's for when famous people write books. Like, yeah. you're, you're, you're not famous. We don't care. <laughs> it, it comes up, and also the books come out twice in in two different editions. There's the the trade paperback, which is like a bit is basically a hardback that doesn't have a hardback cover. Okay. Paperbacks. I'm really cross about them. But oh, no. we, and then a mass market paperback, which is like a cheaper edition, sort of under a tenor. So it's very boring, boring <laughs> publishing. So it does feel like I've got a sort of a Like salary. a sort of
0: salary, because it's like been spread over such a longer period of time. It's, is it nice yeah. knowing that you've got that money on the horizon, like that's coming in?
1: Oh, God, it really is. Because um, having just finished the second book of my contract, I mean, obviously I've got it to come when it comes out next year and then when the different edition comes out but there is a bit of me going oh my god I've been in this little bubble I mean not it's not really when you think about the time because yeah it's been three years I guess since I signed the contract so Mm. I do need to do other work in in the meantime but then there is a bit of me already thinking oh god that's not gonna carry on forever is it what am I where can I get money from now
0: and just going back to the um the agent thing because i think a lot of people won't necessarily know this like how does it work in terms of they take that they sort of take a cut of what the advance or of sales or how how does that work
1: yeah so i think this is fairly standard so Diana's is attached to um a literary agency the the marjack marjack scripts they're very good i recommend them <laughs> they take i think it's 15% of you know book advances and book book sales so when and the, but they they like they handle it so the publisher will give the money to to them and then they will subtract their fee, the VAT, because um, I, I do not earn enough to, to pay VAT, right? mm-hmm. which I'm quite – I mean, my husband had a period of VAT and it, it was just hell. The whole thing was utterly <laughs> horrible and misery-making. Like, I, I don't ever actually want to be that wealthy. <laughs> also, it's different for foreign sales. I think I pay a bit more on those. If they've So they've just sold – I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell you this, but I will. They've just sold how to be a grown-up in France. Oh, like Ooh, that. So, so that is more – they'll take off i think I think it might be 20 percent, and then they sort of pass it on to me but they've also got to do a bit of they will help me sort out things like tax and i've got to get a certificate oh, of i'm not sure what that is so but it'll, you know they're out there once the book is there in the world they are the ones going out and saying you know um bonjour um yeah Oh no! <laughs> <What else laughs> a I can't remember the difference between like "caille" is exercise book, and "livre" is like book you read. Like <laughs> "voulez-vous acheter uh, le livre de Debucanon"? It's <laughs> i it. And would. this
0: is why they are doing that bit. <laughs>
1: but another thing, I'm just going to put this out into the universe. I've had a few bits of um, branding work, which. Ooh. I love doing because I'm so jealous of the influencers. I don't. (laughs) I think it's really, really hard. I'm so bad at taking pictures of myself on Instagram. And I tried to do one on holiday where I had like a swimsuit I really liked. I'm going to tell you, you don't have to put this in, but um, I didn't get. I bought it with money. It's a company called Botoco. They make them out of recycled plastic bottles. They cost about forty quid. The shape is the prints are crazy crazy cool i got one that's pink and covered in red lobsters because i love lobsters and i collect them and i live for them but you can get leads and rockets and dinosaurs and so i thought well i want to put you know me and my snazzy Batoko cozy because yeah. I, I love the brand. i'm you know loving the brand as a fan and i took about 80 pictures of myself and they were all terrible and it took oh. an hour and a half and i was like oh my god how do the influencers do it? They're like they should get paid twice what they get paid. <laughs> but I've done some, so. Just
0: going, like, sorry, just going back to that kind of branded thing. So that was something where they were asking you what to post about it on your social platforms or for it to go on their platforms.
1: Well, I did one that was really fun for a car company where what they were doing in their campaign fitted really, really well for how to be a grown up and I was their their radio spokesperson. Um, I did one for a a banking brand, um, quite recently, Domin Fruit a jewellery company. So but th- where they've I think possibly because what I do as a as a writer and journalist has corresponded with them. And so they have got in touch and normally gone to Diana and said, Oh, you know, could we get her to do this? And she's negotiated that and she's been absolutely brilliant but she isn't really you know because she's like book focused you know I write books I give them to her she she sells them she's not in a position to seek out that kind of work for me and I have been thinking about looking for someone who could possibly represent me and just say she's really keen you know she'll most enthusiastic brand ambassador you ever had and I I don't know if that really exists because I know influencers have that Mm. I don't have hundreds of thousands or even tens of thousands of followers on instagram Mm. um but the fact that i have done that for brands makes me think i'd quite like some more of that so Mm. yeah i don't really know how that world works
0: so you've got all these you've got all these different kind of income streams you've got all these different kind of roles is there one that makes you more money than the other
1: Ooh, um that is a very good question um i would say writing in general and sort of writing writing online is probably the the bulk of my my income it does it does fluctuate and sometimes I am I've been very very surprised at how much and how little people are are willing to pay me um for different things (laughs) and that's really lovely because it's just made me realize how arbitrary it all is Mm. and how You know, I do think that sometimes it's very easy to take it personally when you feel like someone's saying, this is how much you're worth, but what they're actually saying, like what we pay for this just varies wildly, which is sort of something I have found is because I, like I said, I'm very, very lazy. I will still do work where, say someone wants me to do a very quick listicle and it's, um I know it's going to be what 100 quid 150 quid and it's going to take me an hour and I don't need a byline on it I will always do that listicle because I think well I've always got an hour and I might not need 150 quid now but in the future if I go six months without any work I'll be glad of it and mm-hmm. so anything like that I never ever want to feel like I'm too grand for it and also I've talked I'm sure she won't mind me saying I've talked to my friend Dolly Alderton mm-hmm. about this that we're so scared that we're in this sort of strange fairy tale about, you know, the we're gonna be the cautionary tale of the little journalist girl who was too grand to do her listicle and then her <laughs> career got cancelled and everyone hated her. And there's a feeling that you're not um and I don't think this is a good feeling, to be honest, that I, I shouldn't be proud when it comes to work. But then again, I am I am a bit a bit prideful. And I suppose it's whether Oh, I'm going to sound like the worst person, aren't I? This is the ego thing where if, if someone wants to hire me and it's something where they really do want to hire me and everything that comes with sort of me putting it on social and, yeah. you know, saying this is like, this is my experience in my life, depending on, on who is asking and where that is coming from. And, you know, there are tons of people that I just, I love and adore and I'll do things for, for free or cheap because I've got a good relationship with them. That might not be the best way for everyone, but it works for me. But then if there's any bit of it where I think this is going to be quite a lot of hard work for, for not a lot of money, I'm just going to say, nah. mm. and actually it was about this time last year where I got offered some work and it was for a brand and they said how much. I think initially when they got in touch, I was like, oh, brilliant. You'll have some cash. you a brand. And then they said, this is how much it would be. And I was like, hey, are you kidding me? Get out, no. no. <laughs> I said, I went back to them and said, "Like the least I could charge for what you're asking would be twice what you're offering. So no, I can definitely recommend some writers who are a little junior, have been doing it for less time, he might be able to do it. And then they got back and said, oh yeah, okay, we can pay you twice that. And I think because I genuinely didn't care, and also and i didn't really want to do the work and then i felt like i had to do it
0: <laughs> you'd backed yourself into a corner of pricing yourself so high that now they're like okay
1: but then a bit of me was just so thrilled it worked
0: yeah exactly well this is I, you know this is another thing that i wanted to talk to you about was how you do go around setting you know deciding what your rates are going to be and and when you go out into that freelance world like how do you even know like how did you know the first time you did i guess a bit of writing like what you could charge and how and do you decide do you kind of change the price dependent on the job
1: so back at bliss as an intern i think i got something like 20 or 30 quid a day when i first started which was like you couldn't live on it but most internships they were just, I think, on the point of phasing out lunch, and because it was in Tunbridge Wells, and I was travelling from London, that I just about paid for my train ticket. I and say, then, wow, that's mad. I, d- I, don't I did, I did lots of like waitressing and weird, like, oh, someone will pay you ten pounds to do a survey. It's just all jobs. <laughs> really quite quite late and because even when I was you know there full-time and I was a staff writer and you know editing pages and I had loads of like responsibilities and having a lot of fun but I was always being paid nothing it maybe went up to did it go up to 60 quid a day oh, yeah it was <laughs> times was hard mm. um and I got a lot of free lip gloss but I didn't really compensate and I think then <laughs> when I left they said okay we will pay you um 500 pounds a month and that's five days work so you get paid 100 pounds a day which is what we pay the most we would pay a, a freelancer so that was kind of my at that point I could get 100 quid for sitting in an office for for eight hours and I think then right at the beginning as well there was a a job I did that made me really miserable that was part-time that was um writing celeb stories for a website for a tenner an hour and so I think Always in my head, I was like, "Well, what I really like, what I love the most about this is working from home and not talking to anyone and not getting <laughs> dressed and not having to be in a place." I'm yeah. like, any any job that requires me to to go somewhere, mm. I want to charge as much as I can for that. I will be a lot more lenient if I can do it from from my home in my pyjamas. Because the other thing is, I do write quite fast. And I write fast, I say, because as we've established, I'm lazy. And <laughs> the sooner something is finished and the the sooner I can just go back to being doing nothing. There's an amazing line in the Miranda G. Life story, which I'm going to paraphrase really badly, where um, a character says something along the lines of, I've been described as a workaholic, but if I am, it's just because I want to get all my work done so I can return to my favoured state as quickly as possible, which is lying on my bed with a TV on, just one grade above being in a coma.
0: (laughs) I love that. Just exactly
1: how I feel about
0: life. (laughs) And in your book, you talk about uh, having, you know, this fear of cash machines.
1: Oh my God. I'm still, still just astonished. Utterly astonished and delighted and shocked. I can I can go to a cash machine and take 20 quid out. And if it doesn't work, I know it's because there's a problem with the cash machine and that I have some money and it's fine. Like, God, the lengths I would go to. So I suppose it got really bad. Again, when I was at Bliss on my, my, my 60 quid a day. Struggling. There was something I had to do at lunch where I had to go to the bank and move some money or get some money out for something. Or there'd been some like work drinks or karaoke and I had to pay someone. And got a message saying you're over your overdraft if you want to take out some money we can give you that money but it's going to cost 40 quid plus the money and you're over your overdraft and i'd been paid like the week or two weeks before and I'm like shit what is going on how can this be so i was like oh i i can deal with this and it's how i used to deal with lots of things i think especially as a student where you know when marks for essays went up i was like i could just not look i'm so (laughs) Frightened about doing badly but I'll just I'll live in denial and pretend and I remember lying awake obsessing over like, not knowing what my marks are and ha- working out how badly I might have done in my degree and how my career was just going to t- because no one would hire me if I didn't get a 2-1 which is all, all madness but it just preoccupied me totally at the time and I applied that same anxiety and insanity and deep 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 fear to to money and I had a credit card that I was really and when you've not got enough money and when you're using your credit card a bit to make ends meet and it's very very easy or I found it very easy for emergencies to for the term emergency to become quite broad <laughs> um, what
0: quite an emergency
1: from I need to pay for groceries too. God, I'm low and depressed and in debt and I'm never going to get out of debt and everything is terrible and what's another 30 quid in Topshop in in these circumstances. Yeah. Which but you know that's something I think about a lot and I'm really passionate about talking about because I think I mean it's exactly the same as the way I eat and the way I spend money. We think we all know maths. We all know that if we spend more money than we have. Mm it's bad things are going to happen. But also, I think so many of us do not get paid enough to live well. Mm. I don't think anyone should have to live where they've got to worry about every single pound. Mm. You know, I think that everyone deserves the treats of their choice, you know, within... I mean, not within reason. goddess. I mean, you shouldn't... We're so policing and judgmental of the way people spend and the choices people make. And we don't have any... Any compassion or understanding of people are in debt and terrified and they are going to do whatever it takes to get them through the week, practically and emotionally.
0: You kind of led me on something else that I wanted to talk to you about, which was what I think you tweeted about last week, um, which was around the Grazia article.
1: So I wrote a piece of the pool um, that went up today while we're recording about money and the way we we make it so moral. And I was really fascinated by this Grazia article that was online this week. It was about a woman who works in recruitment. She lives, she moved home, I think, from London, lived with her family in Bournemouth to save some money. And the article said she makes up to 40 grand a year and still needs bailing out from her parents. And the internet went crazy, and you know, everyone's saying how could she spend all this money doesn't <laughs> like, yeah I, I understand i totally get it and it was so weird how lots of people like well you know when she talks about like after work socializing we all know what that means tapping your nose and i was thinking how if you're spending money like that that quickly something is you know, not something's broken but
0: You're thinking about sort of the emotional underlying reason as to why you might be spending.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that there are, I think that like me, maybe I'm projecting too much of my own situation into this, but you have got big, big psychological reasons, I think, for not tackling that when, you know, when, when all your money is just disappearing and and you don't know why. And, you know, there could be all sorts of things. She drives, you know, cars are so expensive to run. She might not want to stop having a car because when you've moved back home, that's, you know, one little bit of freedom to hang on to. She's really unhappy with her job and spending lunch. I, I know the shops of Bournemouth very well, but it's where my mum and dad are. or oh, they're a little bit further out. Um, but yeah, I they've got some really excellent department stores in Bournemouth. I have many happy hours in that house to Fraser. Um, <laughs> But it was so straight and I've noticed it as well with the, the Refinery 29 Money Diaries mm-hmm. and that people, like if you ever, if anyone goes out to eat, my God, if they go out to eat more than once, um, they buy anything for themselves, they borrow any money, if there's any kind of frivolity, mm. people automatically, oh, millennials are the worst, millennials just spend money, how can they, how dare they? Mm. And every single morning I get at least 20 emails about things you can buy black friday is happening and it's so bizarre because i think black friday is actually next friday but everyone's like don't miss the black friday deal spend 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 buy some things i've got a dress that's hanging up um, it's a monsoon dress I think I spent a hundred quid on it I bought it last year because I just got so many Black Friday emails and I was like I, yeah, I need something something to show for it ooh, ooh, what's what's my Christmas festive look going to be and I sort of love the dress it's a mad black maxi dress with loads of transparent panels and it's quite ruffly which is a look I absolutely adore um, it's also a look that there is very little call for in my life <laughs> I went once um, to a podcast recording um, of um, Ex Libris, the the book game show in Oxford, which was a lot of fun. And cool. then again to my local pizza restaurant in Margate. And you know, I'm, I'm feeling guilty now. I'm thinking, when, when am I going to wear my mad goth tits dress? It needs to come out. And you know, 100 quid is a lot of money. And yeah. just because, and I think a lot of it is to do with, the way that I earn money being so strange and I'll get work, I wasn't expecting, and I'll feel bizarrely rich. Also fraught with anxiety, like, well, I have to do this work because I might not get any more work, but I wasn't expecting this work, so off I go to get an all oh, like, I buy so many clothes and for a long time I've said I, I don't I don't drive, I don't smoke, um, I've moved to Kent where I don't pay much rent, um, which rhymes which I like. You know, this this is my hobby, and that is how I'm going to justify it. And no one would say that it was a bad thing if I was a man and I was spending all this money on windsurfing or... Watches In... or...
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. I think it's so interesting the way that everything women spend their money on is so emotionally loaded and full of accusations. It's like, treat yourself, look hot or die, but don't. And I was thinking about how, you know, with me and my husband are pretty good i think as it goes about money and bills we don't really have a joint account we have a joint savings account but um you know we do things separately but pay together but also sometimes i do think the amount of bloody money i spend on just skin and haircuts and i'm at a point if i was braver or cooler or less of a tool that the patriarchy ever like ah, he spends a 20 quid on a haircut. I could spend 20 quid on a haircut. The world won't end. Why am I spending 10 times that much? But I love my hairdresser. She's great. And um, (laughs) also, I think it was... Viv Groskop talked about this in her podcast about um, talking to Hillary Clinton's campaign manager and the way that Hillary was so, um, I think, pillarized, is that the right word? Really, mm. really criticised. And everything she wore was remarked upon mm. in a way that obviously never happened with the opposition. And she said, you need to make a decision about whether you're going to get on board with spending your pink pound or not, but do so knowing that people are going to see it and comment whatever you you choose to do and I think I am I'm not on board with a pink pound but I think that I'm aware I'm in no way Hillary Clinton you know I, I may or may not be on TV on Monday I'm on TV every so often I've got a, a book to promote I need to I want when people meet me to think she's professional and she looks put together and mm. you know I trust her to do more and you know when I think about my ambitions as well and the work I I want to do and I want that polished and I think what I'm trying to separate at the moment what I'm struggling with is the emotions of whether I'm empowered by my shopping, whether there is a bit of me that's like yeah you know you're worth nice things, you have nice things and whether it's because I do feel incredibly insecure and panicky and worried and nervous and a bit of me is dressing for the woman I want to be, for the work I want to have, how I want to be perceived. I've got um, I've got many expensive handbags. You can never be too fat for a handbag. That's one of my mottos. <laughs> and it is, I do feel like it's a little bit like having lovely jewellery or something. I bought myself a Saint Laurent um, bag for my 30th birthday. and I saw it on Instagram
0: and I bloody love it.
1: Oh, it's so good. The only thing is, with that bag, you can actually get quite a lot in it. So, walking around with that, after about five hours, you know, I was in town having meetings and because of not living in London anymore when I'm there, I need pack it in a bit. And I was just, you know, walking to one side. I'm in terrible pain. Oh, is what it is heavy? It,
0: is it heavy then, even without the stuff?
1: No, it's heavy when you have a phone and a phone charger and a book and a stack of nuts. Probably <laughs> not pens because I have a pen on me. Um, And, you know some lip balm seven (laughs) lipsticks i need 28 tampons you know because three weeks before your period's due you need 28 tampons house keys
0: so do you think that maybe just going back to this girl in grazia do you think that part of the reason the internet vilified her is because she was a woman do you think if she was if it was a bloke talking about how he needed handouts from his family it would have had the same response
1: I i think the the strength of feeling and the volume of of anger definitely i'm sure if it was a guy there would have been a bit of a backlash like oh who is always just buying call of duty i don't know what to men like sexist magazines (laughs) (laughs) oh patriarchy uh that something I have only just realized to my shame is that women have been participating in capitalism and participating and not participating in economy because we have we've been you know late in labor (laughs) yeah maybe we've been laboring forever but we only really have been earning money in any kind well only really since the second world war which is not that long ago and i mean obviously of course there are exceptions and there have always been you know women earning money and participating in trade but i think it's only really in the 60s 70s 80s where you had the majority of women like working full-time and not being assumed they would have a family or you know be part-time or or give up work to be with a family and i think as well with things changing like Divorce becoming easier, which I think is, you know, a brilliant, brilliant thing. Mm. And all of these options opening up for us and we're not expected to be for our primary work to be, you know, that of a a, a wife or a caregiver or, or someone whose work is done in the home. Mm. You know, and we've with that, we've not had any kind of, you know, real support or advice. I mean, of course, there are some really great people. He um, say lots of brilliant things. I think a lot about Shirley Conran, who I adore. You know, the the writer she wrote, mm-hmm. famous sexy book, Lace. Uh, big fan of Lace. Um, but also, I'm sure I read something that she was talking about in terms of divorcing. I need to check this, but her first husband, Mr. Conran. Let's call him Mr. Conran of the Conran. Did <laughs> I say Terence, Not Jasper. Or was it Jasper? Um, Mr. Conran, and how she had to learn about money immediately after a divorce and she thought, I have to, I have to make some. I have to, like, what, what do I do? What is this? And she's a really passionate advocate for women in maths and finance because, you know, we've just, for hundreds and thousands of years, grown up in a culture where we've been told, you don't need to worry about this, love. You you pop out some sprogs. Mm-hmm. You scrub some potatoes and floors.
0: Yeah, and that, you know, and that was literally such... A big part of why I wanted to start this podcast really, because when I was searching out some financial education, I just felt like everything around this conversation was just this really kind of stale, boring old white blokes club, basically. And it's like we're you know, women are excluded from this conversation in so many ways. And it's I
1: really and what I hate so 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 much is and there are some really brilliant people um who um, I love Gabby Dunn. Her podcast yeah, is got great. Really
0: bad Money,
1: love it. Laura Watley, I'm reading yeah, her book. That's good really good, good. good. Finance advisor on the times, but and there are definitely people, women, especially who are just doing, and you, obviously, of course, <laughs> doing. Thanks. Great things. Um, Atega Iwuba, I think a, yeah. Uh, yeah. sorry, i really sorry.
0: No, I'm terrible with pronunciation as well. she's got a book out, as it she? well, She's writing a book now about money, isn't she?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's out 2019. I cannot wait for it, I'm really and I love excited about her. that. Her episode of How to Fail was li- with Elizabeth. Sort of yes. just like, oh, your podcast. I just recommend a load. Of no, that. it's
0: really good. I, I love it. I love podcasts. But yeah, that one was really good. It was really emotional. Actually, she was very, very honest in it.
1: So insightful about money and careers and emotion and success mm-hmm. and womanhood. um It's all, it's all brilliant. But the majority of financial advice seems to be. I have a hundred thousand pounds that won't fit into my portfolio. How can I gift it to my son without paying tax? Yeah. (laughs) Or have you thought about not having avocados and lattes? Yeah. That's financial
0: advice and it's shit. (laughs) Completely, completely. It's so true. Thinking about, you know, yourself now that I suppose you're not scared of cash machines and maybe you're like financially in a bit of a better position than when you were scared of cash machines. Do you kind of think about the future and have you started saving in any way? Is that because a lot of people that I chat to now are quite sceptical of pensions or anything like that. I'd be interested in your thoughts.
1: Well, that's the thing. Um, I think practically I know I'm in a much, much, much better position. I do try to be so I definitely no longer I don't spend Everything I earn, which is absolutely what I used to do. when I wasn't earning very much. When I wasn't wasn't earning very much, it was because I had no other option. And I think that's interesting because I felt very much I am a person who's bad with money because I spend everything I earn and I don't save. And I didn't hear that voice saying, "Well, no, you really have no option but to to spend everything." Mm. That's why you're not. This isn't being bad with money. that's this is you being kind of a victim of of an economy. So now I have, I believe, three three savings accounts. Wow. One is ISA where I am saving for a, a house to put. So here's mad. I know that I could put my money in a better ISA, like a helped by ISA. Would, mm-hmm. I would be better place to kind of to save up to buy a house. But there's a real emotional thing where, because I'm freelance and so panicky and I don't know what the future would hold, I just, I need to know I can get at my money if if my career gets cancelled, if the sky falls <laughs> the in, career
0: if, gets if yeah. the, the millions of jobs that we listed at the beginning, it, if each of those gets deleted,
1: <laughs> it is a real. I have a real gut feeling. You're like, what if I, what if I run out of luck? Um, so that's something that. And, you know, people can tell me, like, you're stupid, you're an idiot, put your money in a better ice until they're blue in the face. I mean, the other thing is, as well, that's quite depressing, is I've got more money in there than I ever thought I'd have in a savings account. And that's also, you know, that's the, the money that's really joint with my husband. But also, it's still so far from... I think what I'd need for a deposit, especially being, you know, we're both freelance and you can borrow a lot less for a mortgage. You need a higher deposit. And it just all feels so, so distant and so impossible. And everyone I know who's bought a house has been somehow already on the ladder i had a lot of parental help. So anyway, there's that. I've also got two much smaller investment accounts that I'm oh. really pleased with. And it's very experimental and I mean really cautious because like, these are these are made up internet companies and who knows where where everything's gonna go and how this is. One is Money Box, which I think was very popular last Christmas, New Year is probably when it would have been, wouldn't it? Um oh. and people are saying, Here are some things you can do. And they do you sync it to your bank account and whenever you spend say you spend £4.37 I'm gonna do some maths I you be impressed (laughs) I'm ready 37 it will take the 63p ah so it rounds up yeah and then just Takes that, and you can do extra top ups. And I was doing that for a bit, and I thought, well, I'm putting quite a lot Ooh. in here." So from January, it feels to me like a piggy bank where you're just putting in like scraps of money. I like that. Uh,
0: it's like a digital version of emptying out your pockets at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I never know where that those bits of cash go. Although I use my card so much, to be honest. Um, I'm just trying to look for you and so, so this is me doing the odds I think maybe I put in a bonus 10 a week or something it used to be 25 and I thought it was really this is really racking up this money um I've also I've got a little folder with my financial apps that's oh, how that's all, very good yeah. so, so do you
0: do you earmark those for specific different things you've got the big one with your husband that you're thinking about maybe for the house do you yeah. earmark the money box one for like I don't know like a bag
1: well actually it's funny in money books at the moment this year or since january when i set this up and it's now november i have saved 1236 pounds and 72p that's amazing uh, which i mean that seems like a nice kind of you know thing to have that's I've not really noticed it going out too much that's so that's quite I feel like if I was doing it with an actual piggy bank it wouldn't be that and then I set up a nutmeg one and I think I found with nutmeg you, the de- the minimum deposit I thought was quite high you couldn't mm. just do it big. Don't you have so to do
0: I, a regular like you have to set it up regularly for a minimum yeah. amount or something so I think that's what slightly put me off of them
1: so originally I was looking at pensions and it was really expensive to. Do. I'm so terrified about pensions. I looked at Nutmeg, and they were like, "If you want 25 grand a year in your old age, you have to put away. I think it was 950 quid a month now. Like, what? How, where? Where? Where do I get 950 pounds from? That's my money for being alive and eating and, and ASOS bush um and in my nutmeg and i see in both of these things i think possibly because of terrible brexit and the euro i'm like i've lost money this seems very unfair when i'm supposed to be not losing money i've got um 2181 in squirrelled away in my nutmeg account um good. hey squirrel that's probably why they call it nutmeg <laughs> and yeah. i'm sort of thinking that that is money that i could one day because I, I think i had to put 500 quid in there to start off and that was it because it was the the net sale and i was looking at handbags and I was like, oh i really want that handbag and i thought you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna put 500 quid in the savings account instead no. how grown up am i
0: very how... grown up my god you're like this changed woman from the cash point favours to I'm... spiraling with nutmeg
1: <laughs> it's tell tell me i'm good with money validate me <laughs> I, I think I then stick in a hundred quid a month um, in there and they put that and then that was and also my ISA I tend to put in I think 300 a month because that is where um, when I was using my credit card and maxed it out and it was all tearing get because that was something but I was in massive debt with it wasn't checking it was all a big disaster I was paying 300 quid a month on that and God, it got to a point where that what that was just interest, and it was a hanky in a flood, and it was terrible. And as soon as I sorted that out, I um thought, you know what, i been paying this forever. I'm not going to miss it. I'm just going to stick it in savings.
0: Wow. So you literally switched it from what was a whole to now building up your savings.
1: But that again, it just that almost feels like me ugh, stockpiling for the apocalypse. So I I feel like I could do I could do more. I could do better. I don't really. I'm not sure that I. I deny myself very much. I do often think about how much money I would spend if I smoked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just want to make yourself feel better. Like, well, at least I'm not doing
1: that. <laughs> he, he stopped now. He vapes, which I think is a bit embarrassing. My dad um, used to smoke and some of my sisters smoke. And, yeah, I, th- I think a lot about, well, if I've got, you know, I, I'm not really as well-traveled as I I could be or I'd like to be. And I'm sure there are lots of... Hol- well, I remember as well when I was so broke and i you know never could ever go on hol- on holiday and all of the things that i i missed out on and i suppose i am aware that i spend quite a lot of money on stuff and not so much money on experiences although i do eat out quite a lot and i think because it's coming to the end of 2018 now and i really want to just spend my money a bit more more thoughtfully I guess I'm looking up at the the dresses, the the hell in the bottom carter dress, another dress I bought, and I was sort of in. I don't know if you ever do this. I was just in denial about how it just didn't look quite right. And I'm like, I I really love the idea of this dress. Yes, I am determined, and I wore it out um on Tuesday night to my choir practice, thinking, I know this isn't right, but I have to make it work. I have to. i committed of- to this oh, dress. Wait. So yeah, I, I feel like I make a lot of bad decisions. Another thing I would like to mention is I do not like asking my parents for financial support. Mm-hmm. But in really really desperate times, I have had financial support, and that has made me. And also, I've been. Someone once said something like the difference between being broke and being poor is, you know, you can be broke, but you you've got options. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think I've ever not had options. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have when I lost my very first job after graduating I moved back home and that wasn't easy for me or my parents but I could I could do it it was there you Um, weren't going to be on the street no and now I am aware that I because I can split a lot of expenses with my husband um you know I'm able to I'm able to work from home so i could move out of london my rent is almost halved wow. you know that's made a massive difference it's a huge huge privilege i can't pretend otherwise in fact when i went freelance my money situation immediately became better because like we moved in together really really early and it was you know i've never ever regretted it we were just crazy in love um and it was really you know I was really really ready to do it he was in a, a one bedroom flat um I was living with housemates um and it, you know it my lease was coming up and it was like you can either stay here for um, for a year or just you know go with your gut but all of that that allowed me to to pay off a lot of debt very quickly it gave me a lot of security when I did go freelance you know it's just I can't tell you how how lucky I feel and how I can't pretend that, you know, I'm in a a much better financial situation than I was, but it would be really, really wrong of me to say that's because I am morally changed and I've made better decisions and I'm a better human being. Mm. Um, I am, I earn more money than I did because, because that's capitalism and that's what should happen when a person is working hard and getting more experienced and getting older and getting better at negotiating and isn't a junior in a role anymore, but also, I haven't changed, my circumstances have changed and so much of that is to do with being hugely, hugely privileged and I think that firstly, we really beat people up about money and how they should feel and what they do when a lot of that is, is beyond their control and so I think our dear our friend, she, you leave London and London's so expensive and so hard. I don't think we talk about how... I think it absolutely, it ruined my perception of money and I notice it now. So where I live in, in Thanna in Kent, it's a really vibrant town. Margate is so fun. There's Mm. so many people coming here. who love it. It's an utterly joyful community to be a part of, but it is one of the most deprived places in the UK and Mm. you see it and you see there's this enormous, you know, disparity and, you know, around you that there are obviously some people really struggling and whenever I go into London, you know, I can price people's handbags and haircuts and you are just around so much wealth yeah. all day long. that You don't even quite ne- you know, consciously pick up on it. And mm. it's so mad that you have no, you know, like in Fleabag, one of my favorite, I love Fleabag so much. One of my favorite jokes is whenever people go into her cafe, cafe yeah. and she'll make them a sandwich and say, that's 20 pounds. So <laughs> like, London. But, you're around all that and you're, you know, and even though we've had this financial collapse, there's still this insane culture of bonuses and hotel rooms that cost 900 quid and just insanity. Mm. And then you move back to Bournemouth and in London, I think it's so, it can really knock the spiritual stuffing out of you. And there's so much stuff around that compensates for that. And then you're not going to just unlearn that straight away. I, when I'm at home, if I'm, you know, in Bournemouth, for whatever reason, if I've been seeing my mum and dad, I if I'm in Alistair Fraser, which I love, um, if I see a, a dress that's 80 quid, I'll probably, you know, and I like it, <laughs> or or I even sort of like it, I might just buy it because I couldn't do that when I was, you know, 15 or 16 and yeah. 30 quid a week in my part-time job. And so, you know, again, back to past me thinking, "Oh, we're doing well." You can, re-, and I feel like a millionaire. <laughs> than I would probably, for um, when I buy a a mad old handbag. Um, and I, I don't think we we talk about all of those those financial ghosts who who live with us and the way that spending can make us feel and how, and also I think how, yeah, what you're saying about saving there is a bit of me that think i'm 33 now and Mm -hmm. if i keep up with a nutmeg i'm like well i can either put this in a pension or when i'm 40 my 40th birthday i will buy myself an urmeg constance tan bag which is my dream bag how Um, much is
0: it how much is the dream bag
1: i mean they they do vary um i was looking on oh god it was either um vestiaire or or the real real and i thought i saw a constance for a grand and I was like, oh, God, I could cash out my savings. I mean, that's an amount of money. Um, but this, I know this is, like, an incredibly good price for that bag. Maybe I should just do it. And I was feeling a bit sick and panicky when I was thinking, like, oh, shall I, shall I? And then, then I looked closer and I like, oh, no, it is £10,000.
0: Shut up. Are you serious?
1: <gasps> it's it's fully, fully nuts. And actually, when I – so I got – um. A a Chloe drew, which I love very much, and I use most days. Um, as a a book bag, you can't Lovely. put books. It was a congratulations me on my book deal bag. Um, oh, I thought you meant to carry books in. <laughs> there's that, uh, a bit of that. There's always one shoved in there somewhere. Um, and I was able to buy that because an incredibly kind and generous friend, um, possibly sneakily and legally, lent me her net discount, Ooh. so I could. Which, you know, I like, I'm saving money. No, you're not saving money, Daisy. Stop <laughs> this. I, there was a Chanel bag I was really, really fond of and thinking about. And I did have enough money to buy it. But it was, I just realised that I couldn't justify spending that much money when I didn't have somewhere to live and I didn't know what the future would hold. And it seemed like a very adult decision to, to not do that. And I thought, well, that, this, is, this is a good sign. I'm not totally mad and, and spending and insane. I'm not just spending all of my money on something because I I really want it. Yeah, um
0: you've got that kind of sense check thing.
1: Yeah, so I'm sure if I had ten grand I would be like, mm, yep, there's there there are houses to buy, there's you know there are needy children as well. You know, <laughs> there's charity before everybody <laughs> Love it.
0: And lastly, what's the what's the best money you think you've ever spent?
1: oh that is a brilliant question i love that question And um, yeah i'm gonna go back to therapy probably because it's a huge comfort to have that there i think i pay my therapist 60 pounds an hour i talk to her once a fortnight um and it just keeps me on an even keel i don't feel as though i'm spending it all on you know if it was like 100 quid and every week i think i'd be like oh god that's that's quite a lot yeah. um but it feels just like an investment in in my head and my calmness and I think as well that therapy for me it's so good for all of my other relationships because Mm -hmm. if I'm feeling totally toxic and mad I can take that to lovely Catherine and it's like it's the vault whereas with the conversations I have with her I can and I've got the tools now to express myself with with my husband and my friends and my family where because I just from little things like If I'm saying, "Oh God, I hate this person. They're such a bitch," I have then probably unfairly coloured my friend's perception of the person I'm talking about forever. Whereas I can talk through my feelings with Catherine, and we can work it. And also, she's so good because she, you know, quite often I'll preface something by saying, "I shouldn't say this. I shouldn't feel this way," and she says, "No, you you can say what you like, and you can feel what you like, as long as you don't go go burning anyone's house down or you know (laughs) doing anything practically bad." So. I love that. I suppose I'd also say I have had some ludicrously expensive dinners and <laughs> I would not take back a penny on those. When um Amazing. my very first date with my husband Dale, um we went to a restaurant called Zucker. We hadn't planned it at all. We had cocktails at the Hyde Bar in Southwark and then just, you know, sort of said, Oh, It's it's nine (laughs) o'clock. Shall we get something to eat? You had quite a lot of cocktails and we're having a lovely time. We don't want the night to end. Found this gorgeous Italian restaurant within five minutes walk from the bar, and they had a table, which is a sort of serendipitous movie thing that never happens in central London. Um and then we had a gorgeous dinner. Not sure I could tell you what we ate. Maybe there was there was pasta, probably. (laughs) And I always wanted to go back and never did. And then a couple of years ago. I was thinking, oh, I should take Dale for like a romantic surprise. That would be really lovely. And then looked up and they were closing. Oh. And that was like their last week. So we, we could only get in for lunch. And Dale impulsively said that he would like some truffle on his tagliatelle. Oh and gosh. I think the truffle is like an extra 80 quid. It's <gasps> a very priced restaurant. You know, it's like a mad. And I remember feeling like, oh, get you, fine. <laughs> It might have been seventy quid, but it's still like a lot. But well, yeah. when um he was in the loo at the end of dinner, I got the bill and I paid. Um, and he wouldn't have, you know, necessarily expected me to do that oh. at all. But it was because he definitely earned um, more money than me. You know, when we got together, and he's always kind of taking me out. And you know, I think we're hopefully a bit more equal about things now. But I just was like, I was so happy that I was in a position to to do that and to to be honest most of the bill was truffle and <laughs> 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 some wine um, but yeah it, it was just it felt so good to just do like an impulsive thoughtful thing for the person that I loved the most and I suppose so we were celebrating that experience at that meal but also you know the the first time and and all the time and that that made me very happy
0: if you enjoyed that conversation with Daisy, be sure to subscribe to her podcast, Your Booked, where Daisy has a good old snoop around some incredible authors' bookshelves, discovering the books that turned them from readers into writers. Links, as always, in the show notes. Right, now it's time for my more money section. And again, this week, I've got not one, but two tips for you. Earlier, we mentioned Gabby Dunn's podcast, Bad With Money, but I realised that a lot of Brits might not be familiar with it. Gabby describes her podcast as finances and feelings. Each episode she takes a different topic such as disability and investigates the financial aspect of it. An episode I listened to recently which I found particularly interesting was about ethical investing. So essentially, if you're considering investing some money, how can you do it in a way which aligns with your values? This is also a topic that Laura Waitley talks about in her book, Money, A User's Guide, which I mentioned in episode two. So if you haven't listened to that, I'd recommend going back and checking it out. My only caveat with Bad of Money is that it is American. So not all of the financial stuff directly translate, but loads of the conversations around emotions and ethics definitely still do. So I really think you'll still get a lot from it. My second recommendation is a book called The Joy of Tax by Richard Murphy. Now, I know this sounds like the driest book ever, but hear me out is actually not a guide to how to fill out your tax return. It's a book that argues that tax is fundamentally about the ideas that shape the sort of society you want to live in. In it, he talks about the history of tax and breaks down some really big economic concepts such as quantitative easing, which is sometimes referred to as the government printing money to stimulate the economy. He also looks at the different ways in which we collect tax. Now, I found this part really interesting as naturally I had assumed that most of the tax the government collects would come from income tax, i.e. the tax that I pay through my paycheck. But in this book, I learned that in 2014, for example, income tax only accounted for 27% of all the tax collected by the government. The rest came from things like VAT, council tax, and tobacco and alcohol. He also talks about how flat taxes, such as VAT and council tax, affect people's pockets in different ways depending on their income. So if you've ever wondered what really is tax, who's really paying the most and its purpose, then this book is definitely for you. Next week I'll be talking to Tracy Duodu. Tracy has not one but three jobs. One as an alumni relations manager for a business school, One, as a luxury occasion cake baker, and lastly, as a property developer. We talked about the benefits of having such diverse streams of income, what she's learned since embarking on a project which saw her develop a block of six flats, and how she manages risk when it comes to property investing. Anything that you think in this life has a reward attached to it, has a risk involved, what you have to have done is calculated that risk. You know, you need to be really aware of your risks. Your risks should not shock you. If the risk has shocked you, then you've made the wrong decision and you've taken the wrong risk. So you always need to know what's your get out? What's your escape? That's how you keep yourself sane. Because at points when you look at the property and you're like, oh gosh, what have I done? You remember what your backstop is. If your risks are calculated and if you've always got your exit planned, your risks can scare you they can stress you but they shouldn't defeat you because you know what you're going to do if you need to action something you know that's that's what you need to do with risk. if you go into a risk with no plan I mean you're a fool (laughs) (laughs) I, I just can't really put it any other way don't forget, if you want to continue the money conversation, come find me on Instagram and Twitter at Let's Chat Cash or let'schatcash.com, where all my other contact details and all the episode show notes can be found. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please do give it a rating and review in your podcast app, as it really helps other people to find the show. Cheers, and I'll see you next time.